Welcome to the Grip Strip Podcast, episode 37, the IndyCar Roundtable, part one. Hopefully the first of a few episodes of the IndyCar Roundtable. Plenty to talk about here tonight. Uh, we won't leave out the secure Grand Prix where Checo Perez gets his first career win. Um, George Russell's uh, soul gets smashed multiple times. Mercedes goes back to 2014-2015 Mercedes in one night. Uh, it was quite a Grand Prix on Sunday. Uh, insane race at basically a Roval. And we'll get into something in regards to Rovals and road courses since NASCAR has basically decided they want to be Trans Am. Or they just figure because William Clyde Elliott uh, is great on road courses, let's just add more. Uh, that might be uh, something to talk about. We're going to talk about um, uh, Maggot Moron, Santino Ferrucci, uh, possibly uh, going to NASCAR, which might affect one of the first questions we're going to have here. Um, my name is Philip Matthew. I'm the host, and I'm here with my co-host, Joshua Fine. What's good, man? I'm doing great, Phil. Uh, it was an interesting weekend for fantasy as we get ready for the playoffs, and we'll talk about that later. But a lot of news uh, and a lot of interesting stuff that happened in Formula One uh, over this weekend. Yep. And also, we the main topic of conversation, we did the NASCAR roundtable. We're going to do that again next week with Clayton Caldwell. Uh, but we have our, our regular IndyCar insider, uh, he's our insider for um, the GSP, Spencer Neff, uh, openwheels.com, formerly and now IndyCar1909.com. He's also a fantasy football player. He's a, he's a wealth of knowledge. Maybe he's going to take over for Donald Davidson. I think um, that might be a, he might be a favorite. Um, if, I don't, if they don't put that job up and I don't uh, apply, which I'm going to if that does. I know Spencer would apply too, and he'd be somebody that would be um, very qualified. How are you doing, man? I'm doing all right. I appreciate the kind words. Uh, putting a lot, a lot of pressure on me, though. No, you know your stuff, man, and you got a passion for it the same way as uh, I do and Josh and, you know, Tanner who, of course, gets to work for uh, Roger Penske these days, too. So maybe the Open Wheels gang, the two of you get back together in different ways, of course. But uh, Donald Davidson, if you have been living under a rock, uh, retired or is going to retire ever. Um, the legendary historian, curator of Indianapolis Motor Speedway, the museum and everything. The guy is an encyclopedia of of motorsports knowledge and open indy cars and open wheel racing um it's a loss for us as motorsports junkies but i'm glad that he gets to retire and enjoy his life and i think the one one piece that it kind of bums me out is i never got to take that iupui class or whatever he used to teach a class at the indianapolis speedway museum i'm like that must be the greatest class that's ever been that the one class that I would have paid attention to if I was in college. That's the one class I would have definitely paid attention to. But um, before I go off on another tangent, uh, IndyCar roundtable tonight. And, um, you know, it's interesting. A lot of news today came out with different guys that are involved in IndyCars. And uh, it, it kind of fits because uh, 
we have to talk about the champion and we have to talk about Chip Ganassi. Um, Scott Dixon, six-time IndyCar champion, one of the greatest drivers ever. Uh, he had a great year in general, had his first, him and Emma had their first son, Kit. I think that was a big play, a big part of why he was at a different level. Michael Cannon coming in. It switched the role the way that Scott Dixon has been through his career. He always starts slow and goes and has a great end. This year, he had an amazing start to the year. And by the end of the year, he was leaking oil and needed a little bit of help to to kind of finish the job. But he did. Um, I'll, um, I mean, it, but he's it, it doesn't matter. He's got six championships and there's only one driver in the history of IndyCar racing that has more. And his name is AJ Foyt. So he's one of the greatest. The PR is not, there's not enough PR for the guy. He's so understated. He's so soft-spoken, but he's an absolute beast. Uh, Scott Dixon is. And uh, Josh, I'll throw to you first and I'll dispenser. It's it's crazy, you know, like we think about some of the records and one of his teammates that he's going to have uh, coming in next year is a guy who's broken a lot of records or has a great record uh, or great resume. But Scott Dixon just keeps on adding to this deal is over. You now he's got 50 wins. I mean, where does this end? When is this going to end? Is I mean, he's the longest tenured employee, I think, at Chip Ganassi Racing, at least as a driver. I don't know. I think Mike Hall, there might be some other mechanics and stuff that have been there, but Dixon's been there 20, close to 18 years. It's it's insane. He usually runs through drivers every year, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But what about Scott Dixon here in 2020? Yeah, Scott Dixon had an extremely dominant season for at least, you know, the first half of the season, maybe three quarters of the season. And then after that kind of started to drop off a little bit. And then it got really tight as they went to St. Petersburg for the uh, season finale. And luckily, he was able to finish where he needed to to win the championship, even though Joseph Newgarden uh, was able to get as close as what he could to actually getting the championship there. But um, for Scott Dixon, you know, he's that's why they call him the Iceman. You know, he just continues to dominate the series and continues to win races and championships. And I think as long as he can keep winning, you know, he won four races last year and added uh, another title to his resume. I, th- I think as long as he can keep winning and leading laps and finishing on podium, uh, I see no reason why he should quit. I mean, he has Jimmy Johnson as a teammate who just retired from NASCAR. So maybe Jimmy can give him some pointers as if he really needs any to uh, stay healthy and um, extract as many years uh, from his career as he can. I'm sure he'll probably be around for at least, uh, you know, three or four more years in the series and then he'll probably call it quits but even then um it'll be a tough decision i bet but he's been around for a long time and he just continues to um do extremely well and and i think um there will be a cause to see like if he can uh get to the uh second place on the indycar uh total wins list he'll probably pass mario andretti and maybe there's even a chance if he continues to win and he maybe wins more than what he currently is if he you know wins like six or seven races a season maybe he can get to aj Foyt's record with um you know the amount of races that he's won but that's a pretty tall order uh we'll see if it happens and but i, I think you know it's definitely uh scott dixon is a guy that 
is going to be one of the legendary racers in American open wheel racing history and even motorsports history. So he's got a lot to say for his career, and he's definitely one of the best to do it. Yeah, and he, we can add to his four wins this year in IndyCar to get to 50 in his career. He also won the role. He was part of the Rolex 24 winning uh, Konica Minolta team. And uh, they won what would have been the six hours at the Glen that they ran at at uh, uh, Road Atlanta. So he won that race too, uh, as a as a team as a teammate. So and he's gonna be driving. Uh, I forget which team he because there's been so much craziness going on here in, in the sports car, the prototype, the WeatherTech sports car series paddock. I, I forget if he's gonna be with. Um, with Wayne Taylor's team, or he's going to be at, um, or if he's going to be with Ganassi, he's not going to be at Ganassi, at least for the Rolex. Uh, he may end up being there um, in the future, uh, but uh, of course, they're going to, Ganassi, of course, is bringing back a prototype program. They're going to run the Cadillac that uh, I think that was the Wayne Taylor car, that'll they'll be taking over that car. Uh, you're going to have Kevin Magnuson and Renger Van de Zander, who was a part of the Konica Minolta team, uh, as the main drivers. Um, they're building that whole group up there. But Spencer, I'll throw to you. Uh, you know, Dixon, he had to, he really had to work for it this year at the end. I mean, at the start of the year, it looked automatic. And you can speak to this. Michael Cannon's been in this series forever. And what, what what did you see? What was the difference for Michael Cannon compared to what for all these years he's had Chris Simmons and he's had this team that's steady. But what did you see early on in the year that changed what Scott Dixon usually is about? He's usually a slow starter. But is there something was there is it uh, that you saw from what? you know, with Michael Cannon that really set the tone, which really gave him the gap that he needed once it came down to it in the end. Kind of hard to pinpoint one thing in particular. Honest with you, I think there were a multitude of things, you know, whether it be just the way the schedule worked out and Dixon hit up a lot of tracks that he had done well. Obviously, um, they started off at Texas where he'd won, I think, three times before then they go to the IMS road course and he'd you know come close there but finally got it done he won at road america again for the second time in four years so obviously you know I think it was just a matter of Michael Cannon kind of being that extra little bit that you know you see in a lot of motorsports combinations and I think you know, kind of to go off on a tangent, it's something that um, you, I think you saw in Jimmy Johnson and Chad Knauss, where, you know, they're, you know, such a small gap between the field, you know, and Dixon was already easily the top driver in the field, and you've got Mike Hall and Chris Simmons and those guys at Ganassi working there with them as well, that adding somebody like Michael Cannon just gave them that little bit extra and they just kind of ran with it. And you saw that right away in the first few races. 
Yeah, it's it's something like when you consider where Michael Cannon's kind of gone all over the map. He worked with AJ Allmendinger many years ago in kart before AJ decided to go NASCAR racing. He worked with Ferrucci, and they had great runs on ovals. Um, and you could note it, you could see a definite um, drop in performance from Ferrucci, even if his his biggest ball licker, Paul Tracy, was there kissing his ass in the booth. And we're going to talk about him in a minute anyway. But the fact that Cannon going with a veteran guy, which wasn't his MO, he's usually been a guy who's always worked with young drivers. And the new, the outside perspective of working all these different teams it, it, I think that was really a big key, and, and maybe Dixon needed it. Yeah, the schedule, Spencer, you're you're right on that. You know, the way that everything laid out with the schedule probably really assisted in the early part of the season. Maybe prep, the preparation Ganassi had this year uh, for that team was was on point because they won the first four races of the season. Felix Rosenquist. Uh, he won at Road America, beating Paddle Award, uh, but killed me. I wanted Paddle to win that, and there was a few races where Paddle probably should have won. But well, the the uh, and now they're going to be teammates, which um, you know that that's its own thing in itself. I, the Ganassi was at a different level this year, and Penske was kind of caught on the back foot. There was the rumors of Scotty McLaughlin possibly taking one of those guys' rides, and I think that affected, especially Will Power, maybe to a lesser extent. Um, Pagano, Pagano couldn't qualify worth a shit most of the year. Um, it's part of the reason why he had that dramatic win at Iowa, um, you know, with with the coming from tailback, uh, but. You know, it, it wasn't like you for those two guys, it wasn't their best year, but in the end, it kind of came around. But, you know, New Garden was was the one that stood out. He had another solid year, four wins. He's become like basically at this point, he's the um, he's Rick Mears to me. He's like the closest thing for Penske to Rick Mears that they've had since Rick Mears and. The only thing that's missing from his resume right now is a Indy 500. The minute he gets the Indy 500, I don't think he's ever going to have to worry about employment for the rest of his freaking life. I think he's going to be at Team Penske, and I honestly believe he's going to be at Team Penske for forever anyway. Uh, I have a hard time believing they're going to get rid of him. Uh, it's not like Formula One's calling. It's not like um, for whatever reason, but... I mean, Joseph Newgarden, uh, 16 points away, 5.2 average finish. I mean, for Scott Dixon, the 5.0 average finish is only his, the tied for his third best average finish in his career. Tells you how great the guy is um, in, in, in terms of his for championships or in general in a season. But Joseph Newgarden, um, Spencer, I'll throw to you first. The guy is able to do it everywhere. I think the one thing that's really stood out in his struggles at Indy, which is amazing considering who he drives for, he drove for Sarah Fisher and Ed Carpenter, and he really was fast, and he had some really good runs, 
at Indy a few years ago. I think he finished third the one year um, driving for ECR. But ever since he's gotten with Penske, Indy's been basically the only thing that's really that's that's been an issue. But otherwise, the guy is is what is advertised, why he was a Formula One prospect, why he is one of the best there is in this sport. And he is a marketable figure if they would market him. Kids got it and he's going to be around a long time. And I think this battle between Scott Dixon, Joseph Newgarden is going to keep on going for a long time. Yeah, I definitely have to agree with that. But um, as far as the indie results, I'm kind of looking and this you know, since 2015, the only um, sort of blemish or outlier you can see as far as his 500 results is 2017 when he started 22nd and finished 19th. I think he got into a wreck that year, though. Yeah. But that team as a whole, as far back, as far as I can remember, struggled. I know Elio finished second to Sato, but um, I think that gotta say struggled kind of with a grain of salt or yeah. sit on a scale just because we're so used to Penske just dominating, especially 2018 and 2019 when it comes to Indy that, you know, got probably, like you said, he's, you know, if he's, if Dixon's, you know, the best driver in the series, New Garden's easily got to be number two, and yep. to not yet have a 500 is, you know, pretty interesting. But I, you know, in the next two or three years, I'd be surprised if he doesn't get at least one. Yeah, I, th- I think there's there's a, a sense of for me because of how good he is and how talented. He is, it's, I mean, he's had, I mean, it's a great point. You know, he finished third and 16 and he's had three top fives in the last five years, uh, including the last two. But I think for me, honestly, it's his talent and the fact that he drives for the guy who has won more Indy 500s than anybody, the guy who owned the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and now owns Indianapolis Motor Speedway, you would hope and you would think that it would be, it would happen. But Michael Andretti didn't win the Indy 500. So, and his dad only won one Indy 500. Uh, So, I mean, there's that. Um, Yeah, but Michael's, sorry, more than made up for that as an owner. So, yeah, well, it's the same. It's the same way as Tony Stewart never won the Daytona 500, and then the first year he's is retired, he wins the race as an owner. It doesn't really make up for the fact that you didn't win the race. It's fine and well, but when you're a driver of that caliber, you want the majors. And when it comes to IndyCar, there's only there's Indy, there's Long Beach, and then there's everything else. You know, like that's really what it is and for for joseph he's done everything he's going to continue to do whatever he wants and scotty mclaughlin being there is going to be a good uh push for um new garden eventually 
but um, it'll be a learning year for him. Uh, I'll go over. I'm going to keep on going with this. I'm uh, uh, Josh. In in terms of Joseph Newgarden, I mean, th- it wasn't a bad year by any stretch of imagination. He goes and gets to 16 points. He probably would say that he there was some results this year. You know, he had some good starts, like the first race at Elkhart Lake when they had the bad pit stop. He gave up a ton of points uh, there. Gateway won. They didn't have a great run. But otherwise, top 10 every single race. They were a factor most of the, virtually the entire year. I mean, what, what can... What can he really do different? What can they change as we go into uh, 2021 when they're now going to be a four-car organization again, at least for next year in the IndyCar series? Well, I think for Joseph Newgarden, I mean, I think he just needs a little bit more luck because you look at how he finished this season. You know, he had top 10 every race except for Road America and at Gateway, like you said, and Gateway or at uh, Elkhart Lake, that was because of a pit stop issue. And if he didn't have that, and maybe he finishes a little bit better at Gateway, we might be talking about Joseph Newgarden winning his uh, third title in back-to-back from 2019. So I think it's maybe just a little bit of luck. But also going back to like what you guys talked about with Indy, if he wants to win Indy, it's going to depend on you know Penske being able to give him the best car that uh, they can give him, and also for Chevy as a a program in the IndyCar series. It seems like every, every year, like it alternates between Honda and Chevy winning the 500 or having the best group of cars there. So I think this year um, or next year, Chevy probably have to go back to the drawing board a little bit uh, for the 500 and try to bring a little bit more faster car or something like that, you know, to give uh, more power to the drivers. They had good power in 2019. Then uh, Honda was able to bring back a, a better package and now Chevy's got to catch back up to them. So for that, you know, they'll have to get better in that department. But um, I think as long as they have good pitch strategy overall and he's able to stay up front and avoid avoid mistakes um, and he's able to pull off at least four to five wins, I think you'll be able to say Joseph Newgarden will be a contender for his championship next year if not winning the actual title. But I agree. I think he'll be the driver in the series that is probably the most marketable if they can figure that out, if IndyCar can figure out how to actually market the series, which hopefully they will now that uh, Roger Penske has control over it. Hopefully that happens. But uh, he'll be the next Rick Mears, like you said, or um, something like that. I mean, maybe he's the next – well, I can't say he's the next Scott Dixon, but he could be the closest thing to it if – uh, he continues to drive at Penske uh, for his, you know, for his rest of his career. Yeah, and I think whether it, it, they do employ the two guys that are likely to be the next Scott Dixon, I think it's a great point you made there, Josh. It's either Joseph Newgarden or the guy that I think Roger Penske's been waiting 20 years to find, which is a guy from New Zealand that is basically like Scott Dixon and Scotty McLaughlin is probably that guy. Um, And we will probably talk about Scotty McLaughlin more um, in another episode. I think it probably need to give more time to that in a separate 
situation, honestly, for how good he really is and relative to what he's going to be able to do in an Indy car. We already know how good he is in a sim. He had, he showed well at uh, St. Pete, but uh, had problems in the race. But what he really can do um, when you consider the teammates he has and the records that they all have in this series, it's going to be tough. And especially in this, in the IndyCar series in general, to be able to perform uh, at a high level uh, is absolute insanity. Um, it, the in terms of another person, a driver that might have an argument, somebody that might be able to um, be a guy that, because of his age, because of his uh, ability, somebody who had. Uh, uh, news today, uh, Colton Herta, who will be moving to proper Andretti Autosport. The the Gainbridge sponsorship will stay, and they have re-signed with Andretti Autosport. And Colton Herta, with basically his entire crew, will be rebadged in a lot of ways, like uh, Bowman with from the '88 to the '48. Colton Hurdle will go from the 88 to the 26. Uh, there's a little bit of number lineage there. He ran it. His dad ran it when he was at uh, Andretti or Autosport or whatever, Green Andretti Green or whatever it was called back then. He ran the 26 car for a little bit, I think. And uh, I know he ran the 7 car. Uh, he ran the XM, uh, XM Radio 7 car. Uh, he said something about the 26, or no, he ran the 26 when he ran the the XM car in, the, in IMSA or, or ALMS. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, so there's lineage with his father, and um, Colton Hurd is definitely uh, a, one of them future stars. There's, he's only 20 years old. They're, like, the, the best years are well ahead. Andretti knows how to market. He's he's got George Michael Steinbrenner there as his buddy, so I wonder who the '88 car is going to be. And I guess I'll I'll throw to you first, Josh. In terms of Colton Herta, he's a cocky mf'er, but he's really really good. And the I guess the sky's the limit because Alexander Rossi is the leader of Andretti Autosport, and he had a brutal year last year. But Colton Herta stepped his game up uh, this year. Uh, one win, two podiums, one pull, but third in points. His consistency for a guy who's 20 years old to be that consistent, that says a lot about his uh, long-term uh, potential. Yeah, it certainly does. Uh, being only 20 years old and finishing top three in the uh, top open wheel series in America, I think there's a lot to be said for that. And I think for him going into 2021 and into the future, moving from the 88 to the 26 probably has to be analyzed similarly to the uh, Alexander Rossi going from the 98 to the 27. It's kind of the similar move there. And Rossi, you saw you saw his potential at um, some races, but they weren't quite as good. And then when he went to the 27, he was a lot better and had performed a lot better up until 2020. So I think 
something similar could happen uh, with Colton Herta going 2021. Maybe, you know, he, he's won one race last year and won two in uh, 2019. So I think you can probably chalk him up for two to three wins next year and um, probably another top three finish in the point standings. Um, we'll see how many uh, podiums he can get. Um, but, you know, he'll he'll be able to continue to uh, improve as a driver and I think long-term, he's probably the face for that team, along with somebody uh, like Rossi. If Rossi does end up staying in the IndyCar Series long-term, because obviously he's been a um, guy that could go back to Formula 1 if that's there. But uh, I think for Herta, certainly uh, going into next year, he's got a lot more stable sponsorship behind him, and I think that that will be important for him as a driver, and that that's certainly important for the team, and they'll be able to give him a good car consistently and he, as long as uh, he can continue to dominate on road courses, you know he won at Elkhart or at uh, Laguna Seca a couple years ago. He's won at uh, Coda, and you know he's won at Mid Ohio. So I think as long as he can continue to do well on the road courses, uh, he'll be in the street circuits. You know he'll be a force in the series. Um, I'd like to see a little bit more improvement on ovals. Like if he can start to rack up wins there, um, it, that would be interesting to see if he can do that and if he can. You know, get more consistent on the oval tracks, but I think I think he's already good as a driver, as he you know finished in seventh, 2019, and then finished in uh, third this year. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Colton Herta. I think he'll be definitely um, maybe the lead driver next year for Andretti if uh, things go well for him. It, it'll be interesting to see how how well he compares to a driver like Rossi, being all of them being in the same house now. Yeah, and that's. That's something. I mean, they're, they're, when you consider the move, he's been connected to George Michael Steinbrenner. They were able to go and do Indy Lights, and Pato Award smacked him around and uh, won that Indy Lights title. Uh, but in the end, Colton, with that funding, was able to keep his ride um, and now has found the stability at Andretti Autosport. But he has taken that step forward. He didn't, he had a false start in that first Indy 500. Didn't really even get to run. They had old parts, all that. Now he's in Andretti stuff. He was able to make things happen. Spencer, now that he has that full funding and he's going to be in a sponsored car, maybe for the first time really in period. um, And he's going to have a marketing thing and they're going to have people pushing him. Are we going to see, is he going to be able to take that next step? Is he going to be able to stand up to Scott Dixon, Joseph Newgarden? Because I'll, I'll, I mean, I'm no fan of, of, of uh, Colton Hurd. I respect his talent, but I'm not a fan of him as a person. He, he, he had the race won. Alexander Rossi and, and Colton Herta were the dominant figures during St. Petersburg. Alexander Rossi threw the race away. Then Colton Herta threw the race away. Will he be able to step up and and handle that pressure of the big moment, you know, better than even his dad did? Because, you know, his dad was an Indy Lights champion for Tasman Race, Tasman Motorsports in 93. Big talent, F1, all these things had, he had going on. He drove for AJ Foyt, made Indy, you know, they went, eh, and so, 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 went to Ganassi. It didn't go well. 
some other guy was his teammate that ended up winning the IndyCar championship the next year, uh, some guy named Jim Vassar. And he went to 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 Ray Hall and kind of made his career start from there. My question to you, uh, Spencer, is is Colton ready to stand up to the heat to and and what do you expect from him now that he's in one of the main Andretti cars? I say that with air quotes. Expect, you know, one similar to results to what he's had in the past. He's obviously um, show a little bit more consistency, which I think he's more than capable of. Um, I think it was until like the second race in um, the Harvest yeah, the second race of the uh, Harvest Grand Prix in October that he had a podium that wasn't a win. So I think that's going to be the main thing is just making sure that you know, they don't make mistakes and things like that like they did at St. Petersburg and keeping that. Um, I'm also I'm really interested in, and you just touched on this, is sort of the marketing aspect. You know, you've got him moving to a car with the, you know, big time sponsor like Gainbridge that's also uh, <clears throat> the presenting sponsor for the Indianapolis 500. And, you know, obviously they were with Zach Veach. So be interested to see what Nikar does with Colton Herta and, you know, how they market him. They, and, you know, <clears throat> and they're also, you know, keeping a lot of the same guys from that Harding team. So I think that'll help with keeping Colton's consistency up. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's, you know, winning two or three races next year and he's possibly in contention for the title when it uh, comes down to it next fall. Yeah, and we don't, and the, the reality is with the way things are uh, with COVID and the schedule, I, I mean, I have to go and bring it up. I probably should bring it up here in terms of 2021. I mean, the Long Beach Grand Prix is one of the, the majors. It's one of the greatest races in the world. Um, it's one of the most successful street races that exists. Uh, it's basically Monaco. It's the, um, it's the American version of Monaco. Uh, it has become fancy and cool not to the same extent or anywhere near the same uh, money value as Monaco, but it's Monaco East uh, for sure. Um, it's, it's on, there's issues right now with the way COVID with everything that's going on with COVID, whether the long beach Grand Prix might run. Um, and that's, it's concerning um, as it stands. Uh, it's April of next year. Um, but we will, uh, see for, for sure, uh, hopefully in the next few months, things kind of turn around and they'll be able to run the Acura Grand Prix of Long Beach, um, because it was definitely a big, uh, missing piece to the series. Uh, first race of the year will be St. Pete. So they will be back to back races at St. Pete. And, uh, then there'll be a month gap to Barber then St. Pete, then they'll be, or Long Beach, and then they'll have two races at uh, Gossage Drome, uh, that dump, and then they'll run the Indy Road Course, the Indianapolis 500, 
then the, they'll have a break between Indy and then Belle Isle, which is interesting. Um, usually they run right after that. And then they'll run that. They'll run a double header, and then they'll run the next week at Road America. I don't get that at all. Um, that's just weird scheduling. Um, then you have Mid Ohio, Toronto, uh, hopefully, and then the Joseph Newgarden Grand Prix at Nashville, the Indy Road Course again. Then um, the most popular race i think that's outside of the indianapolis 500 and long beach is i it might be able you could argue that with um with um barber is a worldwide technology raceway gateway uh best marketed one of the best marketed races that's a track i want to go to i love that place it's a great race track for indycar uh portland and then laguna would be the finale. I think Laguna is definitely going to happen. Um, Portland hopefully will happen. Uh, Gateway. Uh, Nashville will be interesting. We'll be able to get that off. Uh, we know some of these other road courses. Whether Toronto happens, kind of debatable. Belle Isle, Penske's involved with it. So we'll see what he can get going on around in Detroit. Uh, St. Pete happened earlier, so I think that'll happen along with Barber, the first race. Of course, Long Beach is going to be something that we have to look at, um, whether that will come off or not. Um, when it comes to the I, – and I, I wanted to throw to that, and I, I kind of got off. I wanted to keep going with the drivers and the top of drivers this year. Um, and, and we'll mention Paddle Award. I want to give Paddle Award some time, but I think we need to get into some of the silly season stuff uh, here. I mean, we got into Colton Herta. He's moving. He's basically rebadging uh, for 2021. Um, I mentioned Felix Rosenquist, and this is an interesting point, and I want to throw to you, Spencer because you're covering this on, you know, writing about IndyCar all the time on IndyCar1909.com. There are a lot of moving pieces going on. Um, You have Alex Pillow moving over to the 10 car for Ganassi. Uh, For me, I'm a Dario Franchitti fan. The only driver that's been at Ganassi in that 10 car since Dixon has been doing his thing, since 2003 in the nine car, the only guy that's ever given him a challenge is Dario. And Dario won those championships, those three titles, and he won all those races. He won them Indy five, two Indy 500s, and I think he would have kept on winning Indy 500s if he had not got hurt. Um, the fact of the matter is, Other than Dario Franchitti, that 10 car has been a revolving door. You've had great drivers there. You've had Dan, the late Dan Weldon. You've had Kanan. You've had Felix Rosenquist, who was a guy that Ganassi wanted years before. Didn't get him. He went to Formula E, did his thing. He brings him here. It might have not worked out as well as they wanted to, I guess. 
because it, it was shocking to me that 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 Rosenquist left unless he knew that he was you know he was out of it he like he didn't get the time that he probably should have gotten because of the level of talent he has which kind of is going to lead into the paddle award discussion here in a moment um but thinking about the the guys and all the movement that's going on for 2020 like we'll start with the 10 car Alex Pillow coming in there um top rookie this year with Renus VK two of the best guys i mean i thought Alex Pillow was going to get a look for formula 1 or formula 2 but he's still going to be here and he's going to be with Ganassi in the 10 car that was interesting um, what are your thoughts on that? And also Rosenquist, um, uh, moving over to, uh, spam, uh, Schmidt, whatever, uh, arrow McLaren, whatever you call it, spam. Well, you bring up an interesting point as far as, you know, you're right. The 10 cars obviously had a lot of solid drivers, um, over the years, whether it be Weldon or, uh, Tony Kanaan or Ed Jones, um, yeah, Felix Rosenquist. But right, there's nobody really there who's obviously there's going to be hard to match somebody of Scott Dixon's caliber. But or Dario, <laughs> yeah, Dario's kind of the only one who's been able to be a consistent championship contender in that car. So to see Polo showed a lot of promise. Might have been in contention for the pole at Indy had, you know, he not had the weight jacker issues. Um, we'll have to see with that. And, like, you, I was surprised that uh, Rosenquist was as quick to leave in SCC. But I think that with him, it shows that, you know, maybe there's a part of him that's thinking, hey, Dixon's still got, you know, three, four, five more years where he's going to be the unquestioned top dog in the series, you know, if not just Ganassi. So Inquis may be willing to go. And Errol McLaren SP also showed a lot of promise throughout this year. He said Pato had two, three races where he could have been the one to break through and get his first win. Um, Obviously, I asked you how to put him in the first Iowa race. Then he was performing well until he had the concussion at Indianapolis. So I think that's a very interesting dynamic to keep an eye on throughout the season and how Pelot progresses with the uh, added expectations of being at that team and being in that ride and how Rosenquist does away and how he and Pato mesh and how Plo meshes with that team between Erickson, who has also done a solid job in his own right with Dixon and uh, Kanan and Johnson sharing that fourth right there. Yeah, that's that's a dynamic and it's that that I think probably for another episode whether it happens this month or next month, um, where we're going to talk about the dynamics of Ganassi, because <laughs> they're going to be a four-car team full-time, along with uh, 
uh, Penske and Andretti. So the three big teams will have uh, four full-time cars and it'll be interesting for sure. Uh, Josh, excuse me. I think another piece that is involved in that is um, Santino Ferrucci. Uh, He's a guy that um, is popular with certain segments of society. Um, He figured out a way to, get run out of formula two and he was the American prospect for formula one actually. Um, and as an, in, as a guy who has Indian heritage, my parents are from India and his teammate was Arjun Maini, who was uh, the Indian uh, driver of the, of the time there. And uh, they were teammates and they were running over each other and, uh, Santino Ferrucci decided to try to go and kill the guy. And um, he was a, a prospect for Haas, which um, when you can ask Gunther Steiner, uh, he'd rather, he has the uh, Enzo Ferrari and um, uh, what do you call uh, the guy who ran Lotus, um, uh, Colin Chapman kind of way about, uh, drivers, he's like, yeah, you know, if they die, I can find somebody else, kind of thing. Uh, in terms of running people in and out of of rides, uh, doesn't really have respect for them uh, until, of course, Roman Grosjean almost ate it a couple weeks ago. God bless that he's still here, and he's with his wife and with his kids, and he's going to be able to drive a Mercedes. So we'll see if uh, we'll see if uh, Roman Grosjean uh, can. He still has it. I don't think he's going to be driving for AJ Foyt next year with his buddy uh, Sebastian Bourdais, but I think that'll be for the next episode of the IndyCar Roundtable. Uh, I'll, I'll tee that up for uh, Spencer and, and Josh. But in terms of Santino Ferrucci, I mean, we're a all-around show. There's other shows that are trying to copy our brand, um, mainly because we're good. And um, Josh and I like to go and cover all different types of motorsports. I, I I would go and throw to you, Josh. It's like Ferrucci, he had a lot of uh, a PR and a lot of hubbub about him. And he's, he's in, he's a polarizing guy. Uh, you think he's like four foot seven, whatever he is, his, his hair makes him like five foot two. Um, his ego makes him like six foot five. Um, Paul Tracy likes him a lot, which makes a lot of sense because they both are tools. Um, he's going. He, the The rumor these days is he's going to NASCAR, and he and not only is he going to NASCAR, he's going to Xfinity with like a team that runs 15th every week. So you're you're and it and I'm gonna give the next part to Spencer, but what do you look at in terms of a guy like Ferrucci when you see his teammates going to Ganassi, the guy that was at Ganassi is going over to spam and you're a guy that was supposed to go to formula one and segments of this, this base. And one of the guys that for some reason is still employed to announce IndyCar racing, even though he's a jackass. I, I mean, I might be putting a guest we we have a guest that is a huge get 
possibly a legend, a guy who was a young guy. Um, that's all I'm going to say. He was a young guy, um, and they talked about how young he was. I reference that on TV a lot. Um, I might be putting that on the line based on how much I don't really care for Paul Tracy. And we might be able to bring that up with him. Um, might be able to get Paul Tracy on this show because they could go and promise him a bottle of vodka. I bet you'd show up. I bet I could go and tell Kimi Raikkonen and I'll get him a bottle of vodka. He could go and show up on this show too. We'd go and our ratings would go through the roof. But anyway, Josh, I'm going to give you Santino Frucci. What do you, uh, I think it's, it's kind of a diversion to what I want to give to Spencer, but Ferrucci's line here because it fits with the rumors that are going on and we're in a silly season segment what what do you think of this year when he was with the the whatever the 18 car they ran sebastian borde out the door he didn't really perform this year well i think for the oval tracks and you know a couple of the road courses he performed all right um as a you know, and even going back to his rookie season, he had some pretty good races at the ovals for Ferrucci. But overall, I mean, he didn't really perform that much. I mean, he was mostly in the uh, back half of the field, except for a couple races here and there. But I think you have to look at his move to NASCAR as maybe looking for more stability in his career. Because, uh, like you said, everybody's leaving Dale Coyne Racing, and he's like, I mean, right now, in, as, you know, in writing, he's like the only guy there. And I think maybe he wants to see what NASCAR is like, and if he can find his way into a good ride over there. I mean, the car that he's rumored to be racing for 20 races with isn't all that great. But, hey, maybe he thinks he can get something out of that and learn uh, oval track racing and learn how to you know be a stock car driver so that'll be interesting to see if um he can make something out of that um but it looks like there may not be any drivers left that are right now for uh dale coin racing going into 2021 so i think for for Rucci, you know he um could be the lead guy there if he stays around uh, which he might end up happening but maybe he doesn't want to be the lead guy and he wants to um be be somebody who can just focus on doing his own thing without you know worrying about leading other people or or being the top driver or whatever but i think it it might actually be a little bit of a loss uh, for the series because um i'm not you know i'm not a really a fan of him either but i mean he's performed pretty well at indianapolis uh, he finished seventh and i think won rookie of the year that year for the race and then this year he finished in fourth and he's actually been proven to be a pretty decent oval racer for the most part and and um i think you know there's a lot of diversity in the series between the street road and ovals and you have a lot of drivers who are good at you know one track or the other some that are good at all in this series and um he's pretty good uh at indianapolis for the most part with his uh two races there so that'd be an interesting uh thing like you know like if he decides to go the full nascar route i mean that's you know a loss of opportunity potentially to um make a career at at least indianapolis unless you know he decides to be the guy to do the double or something like that which uh, i would like to see um that happen if uh, somebody can do a double with uh, the 600 in charlotte and then the 500 in indianapolis but i, th- I think um 
this is uh, his foray into NASCAR. Look, looks like that that's a, a trial at least to see you know if he can be a stock car driver. And then if that goes well, then he might just go full Xfinity in uh, next couple of years and just you know go that route. But uh, for you know Dale Coyne, I mean they they lose a guy um, and now they've got to go find somebody. And there's drivers who um, could you know, fill that seat. I mean, they're not the best team, but certainly it's an opportunity. And, uh, you know, there's Oliver Askew, who's looking like he might go to IMSA, but I mean, maybe he could go to Dale Coyne or, you know, one of the Formula One drivers looking for a ride next year can slide over to IndyCar and try out IndyCar. But uh, for Ferrucci, I mean, this is, look looks like um, he might want to go NASCAR and make more money there if, um, if it's possible and uh, maybe he just doesn't see a future for himself in any car but um i i think maybe maybe he should just stay in the series i don't know yeah root beer float head as um one of my friends on twitter uh nicknamed him and i'm looking at his picture on racing reference and he does look like a root beer float um it's it's something you look at his stats and he he doesn't have a podium in the series, and he he's only led 122 laps. Um, his average finish is 13.5, but he has a following, and there and and the reality is, before he lost his mind and tried to kill Arjun Miney in an F2 race, he was the most likely American prospect to get to Formula One, and. You know, Dalton Sargent or, or Logan Sargent now is that guy and he doesn't have a ride, which is ridiculous, um, considering he was almost in line to win the F3 title, um, which he's going to be able to test. Hopefully he'll be able to put himself in a position to um, get a ride um, for next year. But um Spencer, I'm going to throw to you. I mean, the Dale Coyne uh, TBD um, uh, driver, uh, it's, a, it's a running joke that's been going on for decades because that's what it used to always be. Um, having TBD driver going to like weeks before you'd get to the first race of the year uh, was the usual Dale Coyne thing. They have Vassar Sullivan, of course, when you consider um, Vassar Sullivan's situation, they were with uh, AIM, with AIM Autosport in IMSA, um, Andrew Bourdain and that group, they left, which might be affecting funding there. They have the car, the one car, they're returning their drivers, Hawksworth and... Um, Oh, I'm forgetting the guy's name. Um, the Aaron Tielitz, who is an road to Indy guy, so Spencer knows him well, um, who somehow or another, his rating is a silver, which makes no sense because Aaron Tielitz is really good. Um, it's the same way that Ryan Eversley is only eligible to run the Rolex, but he can't run the other races, which is bullshit. Um, Ryan Eversley, I'm calling for you now to come on to the Gripstrip podcast because you're the man. Um, it's it's shameless plugging for um, Dinner with Racers, which is a great podcast and also a show on Amazon Prime, which has provided me tons of entertainment 
I watched the episode last night where they talked to Dick Simon. That was absolutely ridiculous. And I'm hoping there's more episodes within that one episode they did with Dick Simon because I never knew how insane Dick Simon was. It gives me a whole new level of respect for him than what I already had for Dick Simon. Um, That's beside the point. Um, They're testing um, Robert McGinnis and Zach Veach. We talked about uh, Colton Herta, who's taken over the Gainbridge car. Zach Veach used to drive the Gainbridge car. Um, They're testing those two guys, which is interesting. I would assume Zach Veach would be a platinum or a gold and McGinnis, I guess, lands as a silver, which means that the Lexus team would be able to perform. Um, but it shows two road dandy guys that are now having to go back to sports cars. Uh, Josh mentioned Oliver Askew, who's now who got ran by um, by spam. And now he's testing an LMP3. Um, Spencer, I'm going to throw to you where the way things are right now with um, Dale Coyne, they don't have a driver. They don't have, we don't know if Sealmaster, are are we sure that Sealmaster and that whole situation is still there with the 18 car? We know the 19 car is blank. So what do you feel like or what do you... Or do you have anything that might, any inklings on who would be there? I think Pietro Fittipaldi was somebody that was angling for one of the rides. And I don't think that his performance at at, at Bahrain hurt him. Um, I think that probably helped him. Um, what are you hearing in regards to Dale Coyne and the TBD, TBA um cars because it looks like he might have two open rides yeah i think that um even though may not be um anybody who's favored right now obviously groshan's plans are kind of up in the air especially given what happened uh last week at bahrain and obviously hope he's healing well and everything above all else um and I know that in 2018, I believe it was, when Fittipaldi actually split that ride with uh, Zachary Clayman DeMello and Santino Ferrucci throughout the year, they were considering Jack Hawksworth. I don't know how much they were considering him per se, but you know that may be another name to throw out there. Um, I think above all else, and I think for anybody that's on any level familiar with this series and familiar with Dale Coin Racing, that it's going to have to be somebody that's bringing some money. And I know that's not a surprise, especially in Dale Coin, all that situation. But, you know, may have to wait a few more weeks to see who's got what funding available. Um might have to wait a few weeks for all the uh, once the F1 season winds down this week at uh, Abu Dhabi, things might become a little bit more clear in what um, 
some of the guys who don't have guaranteed rides for 2021 there may do if they may have an interest in coming over to IndyCar. Well, that's uh, and I and I think we'll open it up this way. Um, you know, the the way the F2 and the F3 calendars have been set up, they're going to be separate. And there's a segment of drivers where they're trying to figure out a way to run both. So there might be drivers that have funding that may get frozen out of everything, but they may end up being able to do both. But in the same token, you could take that funding and run IndyCar for what amounts to at least, in my mind, at least 16 races. Yeah, you have to run ovals. That's the kind of, that's where, that's the bogey thing. That's where, well, Jimmy Johnson doesn't want to run ovals because Shandy's telling him he can't run ovals. The reality is he's going to run the Indy 500 in 2022. You heard it here. If, if you don't hear it in other places, you, you heard it here first on the GSP. Um, Jimmy's going to run the Indy 500 at least once. Um, he's not going to end his proper racing career without running that race. I think he's going to run Lamar. He's going to run Indy. He's going to try to win his version of a triple crown. Um, he's going to make his own triple crown. He's going to try. I mean, he's not going to win Indy for sure. He's going to have a chance at Lamar with the convergence rules. He's won two Daytona 500s, one legally, um, which is hilarious in its own right. It's a separate thing based on my own personal, my work, my, my actual work, but, um, I mean, I, I guess I was, it was Joe, it was a uh, thing that I was uh, thinking about. I'm like, oh, you know what? The, Sean Galeo, if he doesn't have an F2 ride, he, he might end up coming to IndyCar. And I'm starting to think like, that's where we're going. Cause he, Dale Coyne over the years has hired some real champions of the world. Um, Sean Galeo's his daddy's is the epitome of daddy's money the same way as Nikita Marzipan's daddy's money. Um, and he sucks at life and he tried to kill drivers last week because he's terrible. Um, that's going to be something I think Nikita Marzipan is likely to be the guy that gets his ass kicked the way that Ayrton Senna punched Eddie Irvine out at the Japanese Grand Prix in 1993. Um, that I'm I'm waiting for Nikita Marzipan to get his ass kicked the way that that one go kart guy um, tried to the 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 kid of the owner went and freaked out because he got knocked. Like that's where it's going to be. He's uh, I'm waiting for. I'm sorry I'm going off on this tangent. I'm waiting for Nikita Marzipan to get done old country way like the Iron Sheik, go and break his back, make a mumble, and fuck him in the ass. He deserves it because he's a terrible driver. And and he's a terrible person, too. But that's beside the point, and so is Santino Ferrucci, and um, anybody who thinks that Santino Ferrucci is worthwhile. And the fact that he's going to NASCAR it makes sense because 
NASCAR will will go and support LCD root beer float head looking MFers like him. Now I'll change the subject to something that is a little more positive and something that I do enjoy um, or, or someone that has provided me a lot of enter- positive entertainment and great talent in Patricio Award, Pato Award. Um, I can't say it like Lee Diffie. Um, I wish I could, I could, I had his accent. Um, he's like four foot 11, but he, he's, his voice can go. His voice is amazing. The way he says things is awesome. He's like a hero to me. Um, Pato Award has had a great year this year for spam. Finished fourth in points, only got pipped there in the last couple of races. Um, there's a rivalry there between him and Colton Herta for sure. Uh, Pato got hosed by Andretti. Um, as much as Michael wants to talk, whatever he says, he's full of shit. Michael's a, he's kind of a bitch. As much as I was a fan of Michael Andretti, the more I think about it, Michael Andretti's a little bitch. Um, but he's a great businessman. He's a mogul. Uh, he did hang out Pat Award, uh, which was bad for his team because he kept Zach Veach and some of these other deadweight people. Uh, Pat Award, uh, last year he... Last year, I'd say last year. This year, uh, you know, he had he had uh, average finish seven point six, um, finished second at St. Pete in the last race of the year. He had uh, six top fives, and he only had one one race out one race outside of the top twelve. So I mean, it's Pat Award is a guy that, honestly, in my opinion, uh, he's F1 level. He was so good. Uh, you know, uh, Marco tried to get him to come over. He got him to come over. Uh, ran He ran F2 with uh, Lord Mahavir. Um, he was a teammate with Lord Mahavir a couple of years ago. Hashtag Lord Mahavir, um, F1 Grid Talk podcast. Uh, go and listen to that. Um, I'm over there too. Um, Josh, uh, your thoughts on um, Pato Ward, uh, Mexican hero? When before we get to um, Sergio Perez and everything that happened over at Secure um, here in a little bit, but. Um, you think about Pat Ward, the guy is an absolute beast for sure. Yeah, he's definitely been a very good driver for the series so far. And it's surprising he didn't win a race this year. And he performed well enough at 
uh, Elkhart Lake earlier in the season to win a race and just didn't work out for him and kind of lost the handle at the end and gave it up to Felix Rosenquist there and you know he should have won that race and led the most laps and that was definitely a missed opportunity uh, for him to win and then the next week at Iowa I thought he had one of the better cars you know he led 30 laps at that race and ended up only finishing fourth uh, due to some you know pit strategy at the end he just didn't have uh, the car at the end to uh, make you know more passes I think uh, at the end of that race he was one of the fastest cars on the track at that run and just came up short on that um, but uh, he's certainly going to be a, a solid driver for the future for this series. Uh, I would expect him to win a race next year. Maybe he wins at uh, Road America or some other track, but definitely a solid driver all around on uh, all these tracks. He finished um, sixth at the Indy 500, uh, second and third at both gateway races this year, and at the end of the year he finished second at St. Petersburg. So uh, a lot of uh, good going around for uh, Pato Award. Um, he's definitely the flag bearer for uh, the Aaron McLaren team, and I think you know he's definitely the future if he wants it. If he wants to stay in IndyCar, um, he'll definitely be one of the drivers uh, of the future for this series. Um, I expect you know he'll have a rivalry, like you said, with uh, Colton Herta there. Um, they'll race each other pretty hard, and uh, you know trade wins and podiums. I'm sure. Um, so a lot of a lot of stuff going good for him, and he'll have a new teammate next year with Felix Rosenquist. Um, maybe Felix can give him some pointers there and uh, help him be a better driver, and you know maybe let him know how, how he was able to win that race over him. But uh, certainly he has a, a future in this series for sure. Yeah, and I want to throw to Spencer on that. I mean, you you look at Pat Award, you you know about the road to Indy and. He won nine races in in 2018 and and nine poles and 13 podiums in 17 races and his his average finish was 2.4 in 2018. He beat he beat Colton. I mean he he beat Colton Herta. Everyone talks about Colton Herta and how good Colton Herta is. Colton Herta won four races in a row in the middle of the year, but paddle around that was doing work the fact the fact of the matter is paddle award has proven in equal equipment that he can beat him he looked like kind of like i'll compare it to lewis lewis hamilton the way he went and beat colton herta and colton herta is the next big thing and he's got a fully sponsored ride and all that paddle awards in a fully sponsored ride right now with arrow and mclaren um, I'll ask you, uh, Spencer, in terms of this layout of this team, I mean, I think that the way they had it last year with him and Oliver Askew, if they had let it lie for another year, I think they would have been able to make a step anyway. But now that they bring Felix Rosenquist in, who was a hungry driver, who was somebody who has a lot of talent and has been doing work for a while. Um, what is What are your expectations for Pato? What are your expectations for for Spam in general? Since I think they're, they put themselves in the mix to be that next team behind the big three. 
I definitely have to agree um, what Josh said. I would not be surprised if Pata wins at least one race. Um, it was really impressive at Gateway, and I think um, if he had had you know, a few more laps, might have had a shot at running down New Garden and winning that race. Um, but, yeah. And to see what Rosenquist brings to the table. I know he's, he said, hungry and got something to prove, given that he left what's one of the top teams in the series and wants to show that he can do it, probably wants to show that he can do it on his own and can uh, go out and win races just as easily as anybody. Well, I think if that chemistry continues to build only between Pato and his team, but between Pato and Felix, then we'll see them continuing to make steps and winning a couple races and maybe putting themselves in the conversation for a championship contention if they can get a few breaks to go their way. Yeah, I think Pato Ward, I mean... He's one of the best, and I give credit to Frank and Missy, uh, Frank and Missy Linker for the Indie Sports Car podcast. They're the reason why I'm a Paddle Award fan, Paddle Award Mark, in a sense. They were ahead of the game. They had him on uh, on their show, uh, one of the best podcasts that exist in general um, but also for the uh, road indie they um, they've been a paddle award supporter the whole way and dude can do work I, I I mean what he's been able to do in an indie car I mean if you're not sold on his ability and his potential, you're either denying it. It's the same way as like, like I can deal with, with, with Colton Herta's talent. I don't like him as a person. Pato, he wants to win and he hates losing. And it just speaks to me the way that some of the drivers that I've been a fan of, uh, it just speaks to me, you know, like, I guess that's what it is. I don't know. I, I hope and I think that he's going to be able to take that step. Uh, here in um, 2021 for sure uh, based on his talent based on his ability um, it's it's something to see where they're gonna go and where that team's gonna go because they're taking a big a risk in a lot of ways to go and have two kind of sort of alphas you know in different spots Spots of their career, you know, Rosenquist, who's proven in in other other types of motorsport that he's a talented race car driver. I mean, he he's a really young guy, too. I mean, it's not like he's he's in the same age range as uh, I mean, he's not all, like all that far out. I mean, he's only what is it? 30 was. Yeah, he's only 29. I mean, he's he's a young guy. He's 28, going on 29. And he's a young guy. Uh, so, 
Uh, I mean, he has a lot of years ahead of him. He did work uh, for Mahindra. That's that's where I started going watching him. He won three races. I think he won that for Carlin too, right? Yeah, I'm looking at that. Yeah, he was driving for. Um, let me go over here, Felix Rosenquist. Oh, Bellardi. Oh, wow. Bellardi employed him. Look at that. Um, yeah. So, I mean, for for Felix Rosenquist, he's a guy. And you look at Arrow Spam. They're they're a team that are trying to go and set themselves up overall for the long term uh, situation. Former winner of the Macau Grand Prix, which tells you how good he is. Uh, to go and win Macau is is le- is something you have to go and wow he beat he beat fucking Charles Eclair. <laughs> I it, it's bad. I'm sitting here I'm sitting here going and going through this these the the, the history here. Look at this freaking field. Charles Eclair, Alexander Sims, who's Formula E. Giovinazzi, who somehow other still has a Formula One ride. Stroll, Jake Dennis, Arjun Miney, Nick Cassidy, who should be in Formula One, but um, is in Super Formula. Wow, that is some field. You have Gustavo Menezes, who's an American driver, who's in sports cars. Ryan Tvetter. You Daniel Ucandela, who's in DTM. I mean, that, hey, we're going to see about Felix Rosenquist for sure. Uh, his uh, potential and his talent. Here, uh, he finished second the year after. So, I mean, guy has a ton of talent for sure here in uh, IndyCar. Um I think the next question, the last question I'll throw out before I let uh, Spencer go to go and see if he's going to make it into the playoffs in his league is um, the layout. And I guess we're going to go and talk about Scotty McLaughlin. We're going to talk about Penske here, um, not only in 2020, but 2021. Um, Will Power finish fifth. I think Will Power made moves and behaved in a way like he thought he wasn't going to have a job. And so he um, probably didn't drive as well as he probably could have because he thought he was going to lose his ride to Scotty McLaughlin. In the end, he won a couple races. He finished fifth in points. Um, But he's in a position where he knows that he's probably not going to have a ride long term um what do you look at in in general in terms of uh penske racing you look at pagino only finished eighth in points he won one race of course he came from tailback to do it spencer um willpower he's he's an older guy uh, but penske probably wants to go back to three teams and it's generally looked like looked at that he's going to keep New Garden, he's going to keep Scotty McLaughlin. Uh, there probably isn't a spot for uh, Will Power. Pagano has John Menard's money. 
he's basically John Menard's other son at this point because he won him the Indy 500. So I think he's never going to get fired. But um, what are your thoughts of um, Penske racing and what the other drivers at Penske did this year relative into what's going to go on next year in 2021? I think you bring up some interesting points. I'd kind of also add um, Will Powers had the Verizon backing since 2009, 2010. So who knows what that would mean for anything as far as keeping him or not keeping him. Um, but beyond that, what I am uh, looking at for 2021 is how they acclimate um, McLaughlin McLaughlin for 2021 because I remember in 2017 when they brought Newgarden on they were concerned because in 2015 they had brought Pagano on and Pagano you know won I think a pole maybe two uh, but didn't win any races so in 2017 they decided to uh, bring Stendrick on uh, to New Garden's team to call strategy for him and take him off Fowers' team. So I'm interested to see what, uh, you know, Penske would be willing to do if he'd be willing to uh, pair McLaughlin with Sindrick or, you know, who in the organization would kind of take on the task of uh, working with him right now. Um <clears throat> would be the thing for me instead I don't know um what the future would hold for Pagano and uh power New Garden's obviously not going anywhere anytime soon as far as Penske especially not if he you know steps it up and is able to win another 500 and or win another title in the next couple years um so you're kind of looking at the other three guys and seeing if Penske wants to keep this four car team for a few more years or, you know, whether he wants to, um, you know, scale back a little bit once McLaughlin's got a few years under his belt. Well, I'll just go ahead and give my thoughts on uh, Penske, but I think for Penske, like it's going to be interesting to see what happens with willpower. And I, you know, you bring up the Verizon sponsorship, and they they also sponsor Joseph Newgarden and willpower. I think you know he's getting a little bit older, and looks like he might be the odd man out at Penske. And maybe they decide to consolidate the sponsorship to Joseph Newgarden, give him a full time backing. Um, he's had you know sponsorship from. Uh, Verizon. He's also had uh, sponsorship from uh, uh, Hitachi. So maybe they decide to, um, you know, consolidate onto one team and just give him full backing, which I mean, sure it helps him. But um, you know, like for Power, he's got a lot to prove going into next year, and and it's going to be interesting if um, they they can carry four cars for next year and uh, how they do, and um, if Power can do better than what he did in 2020 you know he, he won um one or two races last year and but didn't really do a whole lot 
um, as, as a driver in the series compared to what we're used to seeing from Will Power. Um, he only had five podiums, and um, he did have five poles, but uh, Power was kind of a, a second fiddle to most drivers uh, each week and wasn't really the willpower that we've uh, kind of seen from him, uh, him in past years. And he looked like, I mean, he was the second best driver at Penske this year, but he may be the odd man out, um, like you said, with Pagano having full backing from Menards and you know, with the coronavirus impacting teams' revenues and stuff, they may decide to um, go with um, someone you know, someone else and, and just consolidate the three teams. But um, it'll be interesting to see what uh, we see from uh, Scotty McLaughlin, if um, he has struggles in his first year full-time as a driver in the series, uh, and if they decide to pair him up with uh, Tim Sindrick, that's probably the best move. Uh, he's, you know, one of the best strategists in, in the series, and he's experienced and um, has been very successful in the series. Um and then we'll see what they decide to do for the other drivers and, and their strategists to, if uh, they decide to stick with uh, Kyle Moore with uh, Simon Pagano and um, Joseph Newgarden uh, with uh, Gavin Ward and um, you know some of the, those guys like uh, how how they can you know gel together as a team and and um, you know improve on on their results from last year and I think for you know for Newgarden they're probably gonna put a, a lot of uh, focus on his car and give him the best chance to go out and win the title and try to um, challenge uh, Scott Dixon for uh, next year's uh, championship. I mean, they, they know they can do it. Um, you know, they just have to be able to um, put together uh, a whole season and, uh, you know, score the most points and all that stuff. But um, I think if Will Power next year, if he doesn't um, do well and, you know, he has kind of a, the same performance or less uh, like he had this year, then he's probably going to be out of the door at Penske in 2021 or 20, 2022. Yeah, it's uh, something that we will see. I figure uh, Powers' days as a full-time driver in IndyCar uh, are probably over, minus uh, the point that Spencer brought up um, when it comes to uh, you know, the fact that Verizon has sponsored him for all these years uh, after his um, accident with Spencer, or, or not Spencer, uh, Sebastian Philippe, or whatever the hell his name is, um, at uh, Sonoma back in 09 when he broke his back. Uh, Elio Castro Dash Neves not paying his taxes. He took over the three car for like one race, and that. Um, one race um, started what has now been 10 years with um, uh, with Penske Racing and all those wins and that's uh, something to be seen. We'll see what um, what he's able to do um, willpower. I think Scotty McLaughlin somebody who has been in the V8 supercars for the last few years. Um, he won. Um, he won his first race way back in 2013. Uh, Scotty McLaughlin. Uh, he's he's one of the most talented drivers has been um, in over in in 
the supercar series uh, for a long time. He won at 20 years old, so it tells you what kind of potential he has. Of course, he's coming a little later in his career, but his last three years in the series, last four years, frankly, he should have won four straight championships. He's been on a heater uh, the last two years. He's won 31 races. Um, guy is basically what Penske's been waiting for. The New Zealand, he's waited, he's waited for his version of Scott Dixon, and I think he has that guy. And when you consider, Josh, you mentioned it with Newgarden and Scotty McLaughlin, they already have two drivers for the long term. Um, I think John Menard's never going to stop sponsoring Simon Pagenaud because he won him the Indy 500. And that was John Menard's dream going all the way back to the 80s and the early 90s to try to win the Indy 500 and, and Simon did it and he looks like Jean Girard and he's great with media and PR and the whole bit. So I don't think he's going to have a problem with sponsorship, whether it's going to be Penske or elsewhere to be determined. I think it also has to play with Austin Sindrick and um, his sponsorship that he needs to go and run his cup career along with Ryan Blaney, but that's beside the point. I think uh, Scotty McLaughlin, it'll be an interesting transition into 2021. It may not be his usual performance and potential, but I think the long-term success for Scotty McLaughlin is to be determined. I think he's going to be able to do a lot of work. Um, for Penske Racing in an IndyCar. Um, before we let you go, Spencer, um, let us know where we can find you on social media and your website and what you got uh, coming up uh, on your website uh, before we have you back for another roundtable discussion. Yeah. Uh, website's IndyCar1909.com. Um, kind of, you know, figure out uh, some stuff to do as far as off-season content. Um, probably going to have a few historical rewinds. Um, this year, or next year, 2021, is going to be the 110th uh, anniversary of the first running of the Indianapolis 500 back in 1911. So, Definitely want to have some stuff for that in the season. Um, maybe some stuff when we get to May. Um, we'll kind of see where everything else is out as far as silly season and keeping tabs on that for everybody. So, Nicar1909, I'm on Twitter at SpencerNeff11. Um, and where you can find me. And, you know, thanks for having me on again, as always. And Look forward to, uh, you know, chatting with you guys some more and getting anxious for the start of the season. Three months feels just a long way away. Well, we're going to have more roundtables, so you'll be able to go and talk about uh, IndyCar. It's going to kind of connect with sports cars since a lot of them guys are running uh, at the Rolex 
uh, here, which also coordinates with our big guest, which I'm probably going to start uh, continue shamelessly plugging without giving it away. But um, thanks, man. Um, you can get to the game. Hopefully you make it to your playoffs. It's, it kind of fits with our discussion that Josh and I are going to have here probably in 45 minutes um, with uh, the Fall Brawl League where um, Vic, one of my uh, best friends that I've known most of my life, backed in at like 5-8 and eight and um, in a six seed and went and beat me in the final and uh, won the league. So um, hopefully you're able to go and do that, win your league. And uh, the door's always open. You're always welcome here on the GSP. So thank you for coming on tonight. And um, we'll definitely be in touch. If not, uh, you know, before the new year, I'm figuring before the new year, we might have another IndyCar roundtable. But after the new year, uh, we'll definitely have you back on IndyCar1909.com uh, at SpencerNF11. Thanks, man. Um, you have a good night, and thank you for coming on, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, Spencer Neff, IndyCar1909. He works He worked for openwheels.com. Uh, he's a great writer. Read his stuff. He's a good man for sure. Um, and he does in the history stuff, which is probably what we're going to be filling uh, some of the weeks here, uh, probably in January, maybe a week, we might do some history lessons and stuff uh, here on the GSP. But we have at least the next couple of weeks, we're going to have a little more NASCAR roundtable next week. The following week, we're going to, with, with Clayton Caldwell talking in circles and frontstretch.com, the following week, we're going to have F1, fully F1 um related uh a show for christmas pre-christmas uh with george housen of the f1 grid talk podcast and uh sportlight.com uh i write for them he's a great guy he's out over in jolly old england and um we're gonna have him on we're gonna do a full formula one uh deal in a couple of weeks time uh, obviously the formula one uh, season will end this weekend and that's where we're going to transition to josh uh sergio perez uh won the uh secure grand prix at uh bahrain absolute insanity took place this whole entire weekend um I mean, what were your, I guess the initial question is, what were your thoughts on the whole entire weekend? Uh, Lewis Hamilton didn't even run. Uh, George Russell took his ride. There was three fill-in drivers. What were your thoughts on the whole entire weekend, let alone what ended up happening with Checo Perez winning his first Grand Prix, and he doesn't even have a ride for 2021? Yeah, it was a pretty interesting weekend for Formula One. I mean, we actually got to kind of see what Formula One might look like without Lewis Hamilton. And 
it ended up being with uh, Sergio Perez winning the race after having a very eventful beginning uh, or start to the race there. Uh, George Russell, and you know, he had a good weekend of, of practice, and uh, you know, he had a good qualifying. Uh, was like second or third uh, on the uh, qualifying sheet there, and showed really like uh, even though Lewis is a, a very good driver, that really uh, it helps to have a, the best team behind you in, in Formula One and the best car. And he's able to do, I mean, not just as good as Lewis Hamilton, but almost as good, I would say, in, in that uh, Mercedes car. And, uh, I mean, he should have won that race. Uh, they had a very good opportunity to give him his first career win in Formula One, but then they they had, you know, issues with their pit stops, and then they had the wrong tires uh, for both him and Valtteri Bottas, and then he ended up having a puncture uh, kind of related to that and wasn't able to win the race. And I think if they hadn't had to make all those pit stops, you know, certainly even the the last one, he would have uh, had a chance to win the race. And, you know, at the end he was coming and he was in uh, second place there before he made his last pit stop. And, and he was closing in on Sergio Perez there and, he would have uh, had a chance to have a dogfight in Formula One for the win, which we haven't really seen a whole lot of uh, this year and really in a couple of years past uh, with the dominance of uh, Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton. So that would have been interesting to see. And you know, it seems like George Russell has gotten kind of a following now in Formula One with uh, the way his uh, season went. You know, he had that accident uh, a couple of weeks ago at Imola and, uh, he, it was a kind of an embarrassing moment for him and a lot of people felt bad for him and, and, uh, he got a lot of respect though, uh, with the way he drove this weekend. And, um, certainly I think, you know, for next year, you know, Mercedes is going to have to make some decisions on, uh, if they decide to put him in that, uh, car, be a teammate to Lewis Hamilton in the future, if not next year, maybe in 2022 or something like that. Um, cause he certainly has a, a future at Mercedes if, if they can give him, uh, that opportunity. But, uh, for Perez, I mean, he had a, uh, very wild first lap and gets, uh, hit by, um, Charles Leclerc there, you know, he um, tried to get into the corner, the first corner too hot, and then uh, took out uh, or hit Perez, and then Perez spun out, and uh, Max Verstappen ends up hitting the uh, outside wall uh, into that corner, um, trying to avoid that accident, and takes himself out, and Charles Leclerc takes himself out as well. Uh, so it was a you know, wild start to that race, and and then he was last basically uh, at the end of that lap. And then to be able to come back and win the race uh, is certainly amazing in and of itself. So it was a very, I guess, a very different weekend than what we've gotten used to in Formula One. Um, certainly uh, without Lewis Hamilton, there's actually an opportunity for someone to go out and win the race. Um, and you know, the only time that happened was at Monza this year. And it wasn't quite like the wild race that Monza was, but certainly uh, it was a very, very interesting one. Um, and got to give credit to Espan Ocon, his first uh, podium in the race or in the Formula One series, and and uh, Lance Stroll giving uh, uh, the pink Mercedes team with, uh, their first uh, double podium uh, in their ra- racing point uh, history, and and that's uh, very good, even though we don't really like. Uh, Lance Stroll, it's a very good development for that team. Uh, 
and it was a very just a, a lot a lot of the eventful things that happened but it was uh, certainly um, probably a, a fun weekend of uh, formula one racing yeah it was definitely one of the most uh crazy interesting wild uh, uh formula one weekends there's been in a long time uh, a lot of good points of course uh, you brought up there, Josh. Uh, I mean, Sergio Perez, how he doesn't have a ride is insane. Um, the fact that um, Lawrence Stroll saw fit to get rid of him uh, is, you know, first Sebastian Vettel, who's been basically uh, not the same guy ever since he put his car on the wall at Germany couple years ago um, is interesting Um, Sergio Perez though uh, is a great driver Uh, he has definitely proven how good he is this year he's not even run all the races and he's fourth in points Uh, that battle for the constructors for not only constructors but also the uh, fourth in the world championship is a Sergio Perez has definitely put himself in line to get that um, uh, fourth in world championship. It's going to take a lot for Daniel Ricardo to pass him. Um, getting that win is huge no matter what happens. Uh, Red Bull uh, doesn't have the balls to hire him, uh, mainly because they know that Sergio Perez would come out and he'd go to the Mexican media and say that they basically only make one good car, which is the truth. Um, that's what it was with Sebastian Vettel uh, during his greatness all those years. Um, people will argue that's the same thing with Lewis Hamilton. Uh, the difference is Mercedes has always been about trying to give two good cars. Um, they probably gave a little more emphasis to Nico Rosberg because he's a pussy. Um, But ever since then, there's been a balance. It's just that Lewis is better. Um, There's only one guy that's uh, beaten Lewis on merit, and that's Jensen Button. It's why Jensen Button has all the kind of things he's got going on. Um, I mean, hopefully Lewis Hamilton's... um, uh, whatever e off-road team beats nico rosberg because nico rosberg is a bitch um hopefully new i mean on the one hand george russell it, it was so gutting you could hear the sky f1 crew and david croft was basically bollocking uh george russell all them they wanted that win and uh, I wanted to see that, and there's thousands, whether not only England but in general, wanted to see that. He had done everything he needed to do, and Mercedes shit the bed uh, like nobody's business uh, there. He's the irony in all this is he has four points, he finally has three points in his career, and the first points of his career. And he has the third most laps led in in Formula One this year. 
which shows you how dominant uh, Mercedes has been in general. Um, and it, George handled it like a true pro. George handled it with a class and a, a maturity that very few would be able to have in that spot. And it kind of shows why uh, Mercedes has kind of hitched their wagon in terms of whether they're going to stay in Formula whatever, how they're going to handle things. George is going to be their guy. Um, Lewis, uh, the people want to go and say he's not had teammates that pushed him. He's had Fernando Alonso. He's had Jensen Button. He's had, who are both world champions. He also had Nico Rosberg. Um, he, he can get pushed. Valtteri Botas pushes him. That's why he stays at the level he is. The notion that he isn't getting pushed or he doesn't get pushed by teammates is BS. If you really want to think about it and you really want to get into analytics and semantics about Lewis Hamilton, the guy has had to show up and he does it. People don't want to like him because he's a black guy. People don't want to like him because he's outspoken. People don't want to like him because he's really fucking good. And fundamentally, I don't care. This is a podcast that's going to be, at least with me, pro-Lewis, because I had to watch Michael Schumacher do what Lewis was doing for years. And frankly, that's where we're at. We're at a level here. This discussion is Michael Schumacher, Jim Clark, Juan Manuel Fangio, you know, and the that level. That's where we're at. Lewis is that fucking good. And it's proven how good he is by how bad Mercedes performed in that spot. Because there's no effing way that they would have messed up as bad as they did if Lewis was in the lead and all that stuff happened. Frankly, if Lewis was leading, I don't think it would have been that dramatic either. But that's beside the point. Um, George looked a lot like Lewis there uh, on Sunday. They made the pit stop. He was kind of hesitant on his entry on those pit stops. They made good pit stops. He did everything he should have done. He's going to be in one of those cars. Frankly, he should be in one of those cars next year. Um, but Doritos is going to keep him to go and run in the back. Uh, George Russell has a talent. His two buddies in in Lando and and Alex Albon and even uh, Charlie Claire, the three buddies, they all have great rides. Um, but George Russell proved that he's up there too. Um, and and credit to Sergio Perez to go and take those scraps after being knocked all the way to tailback uh, by Charlie Claire. And to win that race, it's criminal that he's not going to have a ride, more than likely, uh, going into 2021. He should. I like Alex Albon. He's a good kid. 
Uh, he's part of getting ran through in the Red Bull system. I don't think he should have been put in that spot. I think uh, Pierre Gasly should have been able to have the time to build himself up and his talent, but they can only give, give one good car, and they put everything to Max Verstappen. And for what he is, he's a lot like Kyle Busch. He's a lot like the Colton Herders. He's, he's a guy who's a douchey guy, got the driving ability, He's got the father and all that that kind of goes and pushes him and markets him. At the end of the day, what is the end game for Max Verstappen? He's going to finish third in the world championship. He's got, what is it, he's 16 points behind Botas. What, what's the end game here? He's going to finish third in the world championship every year. He's win a couple races. I mean... At some point, I don't care how much Red Bull wants to talk about how great he is. You have to be able to compete. Maybe Max, for as good as Max is, maybe you have to start thinking about it as a team game instead of putting all your eggs in one basket. He's not. He's a talented guy. But can he beat Lewis Hamilton heads up? Do you really know if he can do that? I honestly don't believe he can do that. You put him in a Mercedes, it doesn't mean he's going to go and be able to compete with Lewis Hamilton. It, I, I don't think he has the moxie. He doesn't have that. He doesn't have that inner drive the way that Jensen had to have because he was thrown through the ringer and he had to grind it. Nico battled because he's always been connected with Lewis and he knew he was going to sell out and he could sell out for one year. Nico did it for one year. Jensen did it for two years. People don't think about Lewis Hamilton prior to now because of what's gone on since 2014. But Jensen's the one guy which is part of the reason why he's got a lot of things going on the way that he has. Jensen's the one guy that beat him. And he's still good because he won the Super GT Championship last year. I mean, Jensen's good. I, I wish he'd come and run uh, sports cars here in the United States since he's married to American Girl anyway. Uh, it would be good for the sport in general. He's a good guy. He, he works for Sky F1, um, world champion. It would be good for the sport. But uh, we'll see if Lewis Hamilton, as of this recording, uh, Lewis Hamilton is, um, it, the rumors are he's trying to come back. It looks like he's going to come back. Um, personally, I'm 50-50. I'd rather he comes he takes the, the week off, comes back healthy. He'll be hungrier to start the 2021 year and to go and kick the crap out of everybody. Um, I'd like to see George Russell in the Mercedes again at Abu Dhabi, which is one of the crappiest, most boring tilky drums there is. And he can go and put a whole weekend together. Um, but we will see. For sure on that. Um, 
Perez, Ocon, Stroll, Carlos Sainz, Daniel Ricciardo, the top five. Uh, Albon, Kvyat, Botas. Of course, he had tire problems. Russell, who had to go and pit because of the puncture. He came back to ninth. Lando Norris, 10th. Gasly was just outside of the points. Uh, Vettel uh, was 12th, which is his usual run. Aiken, who caused the caution that full um, safety car that basically set the whole uh, Grand Prix on its head. Um, Aiken, um, he was able to perform with his teammate Latifi, Pietro Fittipaldi, the 2011 Liberty Late Wild Champion at Hickory Motor Speedway, uh, was able to stay within reason with Kevin Magnuson, who's going to become an America anyway. Pietro Fittipaldi, of course, who dates um, Jesse Little's sister. Uh, Jesse Little, who just got um, announced as the driver of the flagship BJ McLeod number 78 in the Xfinity series. So uh, uh, credit to... Uh, Jesse Little, he'll be running a little better next year than what he was doing this year. Um, B.J. McLeod, that probably means he's going to be running that whatever, I forget what car, 70, or 78 car or whatever number they came up with for their cup car next year. Probably means he'll be able to run in the cup series, his dad, Chad. Um, had a career in the Xfinity series and the trucks are in the in the Cup series um, with uh, former Super Bowl winning quarterback Mark Rippon amongst others in the 23 car. Um, we're going to do a little history lesson here on the GSP. Some of the memories and things and it might end up being an encyclopedic uh, lesson because of all the damn memories I have going on uh, for sure. But um, before we end tonight's uh, GSP, uh, we got to go and uh, talk about the uh, uh, Fall Brawl uh, League. Uh, there is still a game going on here in uh, week, whatever the fuck week it is, week, week 13. Uh, 13 of the season, how insane everything has been. Um, Josh was uh, leading uh, the the fall brawl league after he kicked the shit out of me, um, and he took a ton of pride in um, beating my ass. Um, Baltimore is up twenty-seven to ten with, and they're in the red zone right now with 8.15 to go in the fourth quarter. Um, as it stands right now, I'm going to win. I beat uh, Manny, who has a way better job, and he has um, a lot of other things going for him. He's mad about that. Um, frankly, Josh Allen, I'll ride. Josh Allen's uh, great performance uh, against my 49ers. I can deal with that because Josh Allen's good, and um, I kind of expected that. Well, I kind of expected him to show up and do well. I didn't expect him to go 
nuts and help them win, uh, help me win my my week. Um, but uh, Josh, you're you were unfortunately you hit a kind of sort of a buzzsaw in um, Wilson there. Uh, former winner of the league, uh, bad circumstance, having to run into a guy who has Patrick Mahomes, Justin Jefferson, he has Taysom Hill in his flex, a uh, super flex. Now he's got uh, uh, the other Hill. Uh, yeah. Oh, I thought I thought you were talking about Tyreek Hill. Yeah. No, he has Taysom Hill in the Superflex, yeah. and he has um, Justin Jefferson along with Patrick Mahomes, which is which is just unfair. So you ran into a pseudo buzzsaw there. Um, I guess you're going to have a – as things stand, you're going to have a buy anyway. Uh, what are your thoughts as we go into the uh, playoffs here in the – in the uh, fall brawl league as uh, you'll, you'll still be in the, in the, you'll still get a buy next week. Yeah. I mean, I'm thankful for the buy at least uh, can take a break from this and regroup going into the uh, semifinals. But I mean, this week, like I, you know, it was looking like it was going to be a tight matchup. And I thought like before the game started, like I, I thought I would have a good chance to win, but then, um, as the games went on uh, on Sunday, uh, Derrick Henry did not have a, a good game against the Cleveland Browns, uh, and I had uh, Nikeel Hines or Naeem Hines on the uh, starting on on my team, and I should have also started Jonathan Taylor. Uh, he had a pretty big performance on on Sunday, but uh, both Colts running backs did, but I um, didn't start him. Uh, and I, you know, I thought Derrick Henry's Derrick Henry, and he'd have a good game. And and then um, I got nothing from, or well, I only got like four points from Austin Hooper, and uh, for most of the game it was nothing. Uh, when I should have had more points there. Um, and then the Los Angeles, or well, the San Diego Chargers, to me at least, uh, put up a, a egg on on the game and had a 45 to 0 loss uh, against the New England Patriots and uh, Justin Herbert's been really good this season and uh, definitely somebody he would normally start and he had a bad game and should have had Matthew Stafford but I mean the I mean I always always try to start my guys based on the rankings and I mean probably should have had Jonathan Taylor I mean the uh, Texans are pretty weak against running backs and Derrick Henry, I guess, like, he wasn't as good against, or at least wasn't um, ranked as good as uh, uh, against the Cleveland Browns there. But um, it was uh, definitely a tight matchup uh, in the end because uh, he only scored 188 points. Uh, I scored 163.5. And uh, I think think if I had just started Jonathan Taylor, might have won that one uh, or something. But it's going to be interesting going into the next couple weeks. Um, Got to find a tight end. Uh, Rob Gronkowski is kind of spotty. I mean, he did have a bye week, and he is starting tight end, but hasn't been quite as reliable as I'd like. Uh, and it seems like, you know, there's only like five or six good tight ends in the NFL anyways. Uh, so it's going to be tough. I might have to 
uh, find a, a good matchup every week uh, for the rest of the um, season here on uh, in this league and try to find a, a good tight end because that's probably my only weak spot, I think. Um, but the other other spots, I think, are pretty good as long as um, you get good matchups. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why I haven't had a tight end for a few years in the league and through my friends, uh, my longtime friends from school and also the fact that I'm a George Kittle mark um, is why I added it back. Uh, And then, of course, George Kittle's basically done for the year um, after last night when the 49ers shit the bed, um, there's no way that George Kittle is going to come back. Um, and it's likely that the tight end position won't be back in my league again, uh, because the tight end position is a shit show. If you don't have, uh, Travis Kelsey and George Kittle is an healthy for the whole year, which generally for God bless him, he's a, he's an absolute gem of the earth. He's an amazing human being. Um, but you know, he does, he can, he gets nicked up and he misses time. So the reality is if you don't have Travis Kelsey, um, at the tight end position, there's no point of having a tight end position. It's a joke. Um, because you're never going to find, you don't know who the hell is going to show up from week to week. Uh, it's ridiculous. Um, Gronkowski is whatever, uh, as Josh was talking about, he's not consistent. Mark Andrews, of course, he's got COVID, uh, you know, for all the assholes, I want to deny it. I mean, freaking Mark Andrews is a, is a physical freak. Of course, he also has to deal with type one diabetes. So that also makes him more susceptible. Um, you know, hopefully he'll be all right, but I drafted, uh, Mark Andrews in both of my leagues and I've kind of been killed by that. I had uh, Philly tight ends this week and got worked um, in that sense but then Philly's a shit show. Justin Herbert I should have known better. I've been ride, uh, I've been work, using his talent and his ability uh performance and i was like yeah you know it's new england whatever i think you'll be all right but i didn't think about the fact that uh bill belichick knows how to beat the crap out of rookie quarterbacks and this was the latest example um in my other league that i'm in uh he only got me 6.36 points which, I mean, that's insane, and I have Taysom Hill in in this other league. But somehow or another, uh, because I'm going against a team that's basically uh, not doesn't exist, and they still have Dak Prescott in their quarterback spot, and Mike Evans was on a bye. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was hurt. Uh, I was able to fade the fact that Justin Herbert um, shit the bed. Robert Woods didn't have a great week. Even though the Rams won, Dallas Goddard did nothing. Antonio Gibson did nothing. And I was able to ride it out and still win. Um, 
and somehow based on how the points are looking, I'm going to go from being fifth in the league to being third, which is kind of a screw job because I actually have to play. Um, the team that's in fifth right now is, uh, is not even playing either, which is kind of a bad deal, but Hey, I'll take it. I'm in the playoffs in both of my leagues. I have a chance to win a couple of titles. Uh, it's going to be a lot harder in my league to go and win, win the title because there's five teams that are really, really good. Um, I basically with wins this week, put myself in a bad spot in both of them, <laughs> in both of my leagues. Uh, I'm kind of bummed by that, but hey, you know, win, you, if you can go and you take that momentum and you run it out three more weeks, you never know what can happen. I've been able to win them both ways. I've been able to go and run it out uh, coming from behind i've also been able to lead and win um josh is going to be able to get some extra cash so credit to josh a uh, new guy in the league um i should have asked you to be in the league a long time ago but now that you're in i'm kind of regretting it it's 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 probably the problem that i know i know people and i'm friends with guys that really know this game because before I started having my good friends in this league, I dominated and I had control. And now that I've gotten my best friends and my, one of my good friends, who's my co-host on the podcast, who's also a mechanic, it's in, you know, engineering mind, so he knows things and algorithms and all that stuff. Uh, I guess in the end, I'm hoping that I'll have an opportunity to avenge our, our law, my loss against you, but we will see. Uh, we'll definitely preview that um, next week on uh, the GSP because the Dallas Cowboys, they're going to lose, but um, they're on the, uh, they're in the red zone live as we're doing this show. Um, they're probably not going to score. And even if they do score, who the fuck cares? They're Dallas Cowboys. Um, the inbreds that love that shitty organization, um, they deserve to suck. Um, and I'm going to probably um, um, debate. Well, oh, look at that. That's a great line for Ezekiel Elliott for as bad as the Dallas Cowgirls are. But, um, oh, oh, you throw to Amari Cooper. Oh, that's convenient. Um, so, yeah, so Andy, so the Red the red Rover went and threw to Amari Cooper. So um, Spencer's probably fucked. He's not going to make uh, – his playoff in his one league, but, um, I'll, um, throw it to you, Josh. Um, where can we find you? Uh, what are you doing on, uh, I racing, anything interesting there? And, uh, we're, um, going to have a little more NASCAR talk next week.
Yeah, you can always follow me at Inst- or Twitter uh, slash uh, JP Huffine or at JP Huffine, um, and then uh, Twitch.tv slash Usailor2, and that's where we'll be doing the iRacing stuff. Um, maybe some other games, but mostly iRacing is what it's for. Uh, we uh, last week I did the uh, iRacing uh, NASCAR 1987 at Talladega for the most part, and uh, that was pretty entertaining and was able to, for the first half of the week, I was able to mostly avoid the wrecks. And then the last part of the week, it started to get a little bit tougher and it was starting to get an increase in the I rating, which you know, allows you to enter the top splits and all of that. And was able to race against a lot higher, or at least technically speaking, higher skilled guys, but there's a lot of wrecks and stuff. And there's one race where like, this guy was like in the lead and uh, I was like mostly in second and third for the most part and or you know top 10 and he was just blocking like um really badly like people would get beside him and he would basically like door them below the yellow line and then they'd have to lift into the corner to not wreck and you know this guy like people were complaining on on the, the voice chat and then i like i got up to like next not next to him but like um, some other guy, like, he blocked into the grass, and, and then I keyed the mic, and I was like, man, if you keep doing that, you're going to get wrecked, and the guy was just like, shut the fuck up, and, you know, it was uh, starting to get, you know, pretty tense, and then he ended up winning the race anyways, because it ended caution, and, um, you know, if I had a chance, you know, it's probably going to, you know, be like a Tony Stewart situation there, you know, like, I'm not lifting, and if uh, you block, you're getting wrecked kind of thing, and I was, I was ready to make it happen, you know, and, um, uh, fortunately, I I got caught up in a last lap wreck and couldn't make it happen there. But um, this week uh, there's uh, week 13 in i racing, which is like basically like the free week uh, in between the um, uh, season schedules and all that in the in the service. Uh, so it's kind of a free fall right now. Um, but some of the races that they have um, aren't that interesting i guess but uh we'll try to get on here or get on there later this week and um try to stream it uh, and i'll let you know when that happens yeah uh, i i owe it to you to go and watch one of your races i hope to be able to afford a proper uh setup so that i could go and do iRacing or something uh because i i really want to do it i I I've spoken about it here when we close out the shows um, being on NRO with the original NASCAR racing, the second NASCAR game, then NRO three uh, IndyCar racing two, et cetera, et cetera. Played it in the old school days. I've been able to play it a little bit over time. Uh, I just want to play again. I mean, just to be able to play, whether I'm good, bad, indifferent, whatever. I'm pretty sure I'm bad. I'll say it now. I know I'm way too aggressive. I don't, I'm willing to go and push the envelope. I'm probably going to be a late breaker and probably going to put in the fence. I'm okay with that. I just want to be able to play. I'd rather, I, I kind of have that feeling i want to be able to play and did i get knocked down to fourth uh whatever it's i i kind of or i wasn't fourth that's right i kind of wanted to be in third 
um, there in that in that particular league. <laughs> so I could go and play. Uh, yeah, I wanted to be knocked down. I want to reverse spots in between my leagues. I want to be f- I want to be third in my league and I want to be fourth in the other. But whatever. Oh, well. Uh, you can find me at Philip G. Matthew on Twitter, uh, Facebook.com slash Philip G. Matthew. Uh, we're on uh, Twitter at GripStripPod. Uh, you can find us, uh, PhilipGMatthew.com on um, WordPress. Uh, we're on we're on Podbean. Um, that's where the podcast is uploaded. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, um, Amazon Music, and most of the places where you can find podcasts, you can find the Gripship Pod. Uh, we will be back next week with uh, Clayton Caldwell of Talking in Circles and FrontStretch.com uh, for more NASCAR uh, roundtable talk and uh, recapping the uh, uh, Grand Prix uh, the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, the final race of the 2020 Formula One season, and um, football, fantasy football playoff talk, football play, football talk. Since uh, Josh's team is probably going to be drafting a big time quarterback in real life, and then my team probably needs to get a quarterback too. We'll probably do some football talk. Um, as we go along to go and intersperse with the racing here on the Gripster Podcast. We thank you for listening. Um, Stay safe. Take care of one another. Um, Social distance. Wear a mask. Um, Be good. Take care. Have a good night.